0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Well, it's great to be together as a church today and a huge, huge welcome to all the congregations, Worthing, Burgess Hill, Crawley, Horsham. We're going to have an amazing three weeks in terms of what God wants to do during this next series. I believe he wants to inspire every one of us in the whole area of prayer. And so we're going to call this series, I Dare You. And I believe God wants to encourage us and dare us to pray boldly, courageously, to see effective, fervent prayer make a huge difference in people's lives. So are you ready to be encouraged? You're ready to be inspired, ready to be challenged over these next few weeks? We're going to get into the Word. We're going to hear some stories that are going to encourage us in terms of answered prayer. Some of that might be somebody's prayed for an individual and they've seen an answer to prayer. Other things are where groups of people have got together and they've seen change on a national or even international scale. Why do we want to give different testimonies? Because we're called to be a house of prayer for all nations. And that means we pray locally. We pray for the one, but also we pray globally. We pray for nations. And so God has called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. And it's going to be exciting to see what God continues to unlock in the context of what he's been saying to us over the last few months and what he's been doing this year. So what I wanna do is just give a context For I Dare You, this month in July that we're going to be looking at. Now, during June, we did a whole series on just do it. Just share your faith, how we communicate our faith, how we sit down next to people that don't know Jesus, how we love people, embrace people, how we see people come to know the Lord. And so hopefully your faith has been encouraged during last month to step beyond where you might have been before in your witness and to step into something new new in terms of sharing your faith. Now we want to build on that this month in July and going into August and then going into the autumn. So a little bit of a domino effect here over the next few months because we don't just want to live week by week as a church. We want to see a momentum build in terms of what God is doing. And so this month in July, we're going to be looking at praying for the one, praying for individuals, but also praying on a bigger scale to see bigger things happen as well over the next few weeks. And that's going to build on sharing our faith. Now, it's great to to know how to share our faith. It's great to know what we need to say and to sit next to people. But at the same time, that needs to be coupled with prayer and praying for the ones, for the families, for the households that we're reaching out to locally in our 25 mile radius and uh, and beyond. So we want to pray effectively into that. So some of this stuff over the next few weeks is going to help us pray more effectively into that. But also this month we want to build into and prepare for what we're going to be doing in August. Now in August we know it's summer holidays and people are chilling out a bit more, a bit more relaxed kind of feel about life. Well, we're going to do a whole series during August called At The Movies and we're going to base each week around a particular movie that has a theme, a redemptive kind of theme in some way or other and so we want to encourage you to pray into August not just about having a great time yourself but also who are you going to bring? Who am I going to bring on Sunday to our respective congregations to At The Movies? So it's going to be a great time as family because all of us are going to be in together. There's no children's ministry during... August we're going to be together as a church family and so we're going to be at the movies together it's going to be fun we're gonna have a lot of laughs but at the same time it's going to be powerful in terms of what God does not just in us but in all of those people that we're going to bring that don't yet know Jesus so how many of you are ready to do that how many of you are ready to invite people uh, next month with a great expectation of what he's going to do in their lives now leading then into the autumn into September On September the 8th, we're going to have like a launch Sunday into the new year and uh, we're going to kind of prime the pump ready for the the kind of last part of the year and we're going to follow that during that week from the 8th onwards and we're going to have a, a week of prayer and fasting. And we're going to just press into God. We're going to have some encounter nights during that week. And we just want to start the autumn really pushing into God and into his purposes so that after the summer where where it's great to recoup, get refreshed and and, uh, just take some time out. We want to then kind of put our foot right back on the gas, you know, for for the autumn and everything God wants to do. So you ready for that one? So we're going to kind of set the dominoes up, as it were, over the next few months. We're going to flick them and there's going to be like a momentum that's going to build into the uh, the rest. Of the year, so let's expect God to do more in the second part of the year than we've seen in the first half of the year. We've had an amazing first half of the year. People giving their lives to the Lord, people coming back to the Lord, some amazing miracles taking place, some great stuff that God has been doing. But it's a, it's a taster. It's a taster of what is what is just beginning. So I'm looking forward to the next half of 2019, and we're going to have an awesome, awesome year. So you ready? You ready for 2019? Brilliant. Now, let me ask you a question. What is prayer and why do we pray? Now, in a very, very short answer, prayer is bringing everything into alignment with God. That's why we pray. So prayer is not just saying something that we hope to happen. Prayer is not just saying something that we would like to happen. Prayer is based on what God wants to do. It's based on his word and his will. And so what we do is we we hear, we understand what his will is through his word and by his spirit. And then we firstly align ourselves with him, with his word and his will. We then align together with his word and his will. And then we begin to speak that and declare that and command that and decree that into being. So we see in Romans chapter 4, It talks about Abraham, who was somebody who heard God say something to him in the impossibility of his life in that moment, that he was going to bear a son through his wife who couldn't have kids and he was too old. And God had promised to bring a nation and then bless the nations through him. An impossible situation. But the Bible says that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But what it also says there is that he believed something that wasn't as though it was. And so he began to speak what wasn't as though it were because he believed what he didn't have on the inside more than what he saw on the outside. So faith overtook the circumstances. Faith overtook the reality of the moment because faith says what God says you have. And so this is how we want to be praying. This is how we want to step into the second half of the year. So our prayer is going to be looking at maybe the reality of what the world is like, the reality of maybe our friends and family and neighbours, what their lives are like, but we're not going to speak according to the reality of the circumstances. What we're going to do is we're going to continue to take hold of the word and what God says about their lives, about our communities, about our nation and beyond. And we're going to be speaking His word and declaring His word because when God speaks, His life is released. And when His life is released, things change all around us. And so He has put His Word in our hearts and in our mouths. So then when we speak, things must change and they must come into alignment with God. How many of you believe that God's Word is more powerful than anybody else's Word, philosophy, opinion or whatever, say on whatever it might be. God's Word carries life and that life transforms things. So when we pray, we're not just praying words into the atmosphere. We're not just praying words into the room. What we're doing is we're lining up our hearts and our minds and our understanding and our will with God. And then we're saying, God, I agree with you. And now I'm going to be to speak that and declare that and I'm not going to be put off by the reality of the circumstances or what I might see around me because the reality of what you've said is stronger on the inside of me than what I see on the outside. Amen? Amen. Great. So <clears throat> as the church, not just our church and our congregations, but the church, the church is called to be a house of prayer for all Nations. That means every church has a mandate from God to pray locally, nationally and globally. And so as a church, we want to make sure that we're doing the same, that we're reaching out locally. We're reaching out to our region and nation, but also we're praying for the nations in terms of what God wants to do. Now the word church in the Bible, when Jesus is with the disciples and he asks them the question, Who do the who do the people say I am? And they say, well, they say you're Elijah, you're John the Baptist, you're a prophet, you're this, that, and the other. Then he says, Well, who do you say I am? And then Peter says, Well, you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And then he says to Peter, now you've you've received that as revelation. You've received that not by somebody else telling you something, but you've received that by revelation from heaven or from God. Now, then Jesus says, and on that rock, on that revelation, that understanding that he is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, He said, I'm now going to build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Now, the word church there, we often translate as the word uh, set apart or called out. And it does mean that, but there's a much, much stronger meaning to the word church there. And the word used there is ecclesia, okay, ecclesia. Now, it does mean called out and set apart, but it means something a lot fuller, a lot stronger. What it actually means is that Ecclesia means to govern and to legislate. Just get that in your spirit for a minute. To govern and to legislate. Now, if it says on that, Jesus said on that revelation, I'm going to build my church, okay, He's saying on the revelation of of, of who I am as Jesus Christ, the rock, I'm going to build an ecclesia. I'm going to build a people who legislate, a people who govern and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the people who legislate and govern in the kingdom of God and in the purposes of God. Now, how many of that, how many, when you hear that, how many of you think, wow, that's going to change the way that I pray. I'm not here to pray a nice prayer. I'm not here just to hope that something might, happen. Now I'm here as a believer, we're here as the church, we're here as the people of God to legislate on earth what has already been released in heaven. We're here to bind on earth what has already been released in heaven. We're here to govern, to legislate. So we're here to stand up in God as the body of Christ, as sons of God, as ambassadors of God. We're here to see something outworked on the earth that has already been released in heaven. How many of you know that is going to change the way you pray? It's going to change your approach, your mindset to pray and everything God wants to do. So if we're going to be effective in our prayer in these coming weeks and months, if we're going to step into another gear of boldness and courage and and, and fruitfulness in prayer, that ecclesia, that outworking of all of that, it starts with alignment. If we said prayer is aligning everything around us with God and His purposes, because that's what it is. Prayer is not God, would you bless me? Or can you do this for me or that for me? He does do that stuff. But the primary reason for prayer is as believers on earth, we connect with God's heart and will And then we are legislating, governing, releasing that will and that purpose on earth as it is in heaven. So that whatever is on earth then has to come into alignment with God. That's why we pray. That's why prayer is so powerful and effective. So it starts with alignment. But where does that alignment start? It starts in us as individuals. It starts in us as the body of Christ, as the church. And so we want to make sure our lives are in alignment with God. Now, at the beginning of the year, we had quite an emphasis as we were encountering God during the prayer and fasting time of making sure there was nothing. If you can remember the story of Elijah on the mountain praying, cloud as small as a man's hand on the horizon, is about to rain. He jumps up and the first thing he does is tuck his cloak in his belt. And so what was he doing then? He was making sure that everything in his life was in order because the Holy Spirit was coming upon him to run and to move in in the Spirit in a powerful way. So he wanted to make sure there was nothing flapping around in his life. And so we want to make sure our lives are continuing to be in alignment with God uh, because of what he wants to do in us and through us. So it starts with us as individuals, but it starts then with us collectively as the body of Christ, that together as a church in each respective congregation, then as a church together, we are in alignment with God and with one another. So relationally, so key to be in alignment with God. There's no upset. There's no offence. There's no issues. Now outstanding stuff taking place. And so, and and as believers, if there is stuff, we, we need to go to our brother or our sister. We need to go humbly. We need to make things right if we need to. Whatever we need to do, because God's purposes and what God wants to do in one sense, and more important than just whether we're a bit upset with this, that, or the other, so so we need to make sure that as the body we're in alignment, not only with Him but also with with one another, so that He can His purposes can be outworked in a really powerful way. So there's that on that personal level. Then when we operate, pray, we act, we go, we live together in that alignment. Then there's going to be a greater release of His life and power to see that alignment in our in our lives with our friends, our neighbours, our family, our community, our town, our region, nation and beyond. So alignment in, in terms of being called to be in a house of prayer, we want to see alignment with God locally where we are. And we're praying for our friends and family. We've got cards that we, we use, the win the one card. We we're praying daily for our friends and family. Why? Because we believe that prayer changes things when we don't pray it's mainly because we don't really think that God's going to answer or we don't believe that anything will happen and will God really answer my prayer and uh, and If we think like that, we need to actually say, Father, forgive me that I don't believe that prayer is powerful. But also say, Father, would you enable me, grace me to begin to pray. Release faith in me as I begin to pray for my friends, family, neighbours, whoever it is. So we want to pray locally. But there's also got to be alignment in the nation, government, politics, business, media, education. So do we believe that our prayer can affect things in the nation? Anybody believe that today? That our prayer affects things in the nation. I'm going to tell you a story in a minute that is uh, amazing. Then also we want to see alignment in the nations. What does that mean? It means with God's big salvation plans and purposes. It means the nations lining up not only with God, but also if we are with God, with Israel in terms of the land of Israel, biblical Israel and then Jerusalem and and what that means in terms of God's purposes in these these days. I heard a quote recently by a church leader who's got a huge, huge church in the States. Uh, He says, if prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision, Your thinking and your vision are not big enough. Very simple statement, but quite profound. And maybe for some of us, the starting point of prayer is praying for the one. The one person that we have a heart for, we want to see saved. It it might be that praying for a family, a household or a town or whatever is like, well, I don't know if I can see that happen. But maybe for some of us, it's the first step. The next step we need to take in prayer is say, right, I'm going to begin to pray for one person, just one person. I'm going to take a next step. I'm going to begin to get my prayer card, use the scriptures on there and just begin to pray every day for a few minutes and speak the word over this person and and see how God will prove himself and what he begins to do in that situation maybe some that's the next step we need to take maybe others it's I need to pray for a family a household maybe for others it could be well I want to pray more for the town the region whatever it might be okay but we want to take a next step prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision if it's not necessary to accomplish your vision then our thinking and our vision is not big enough wow Simple statement, but quite profound. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision or where there's no revelation, the people perish or they cast off restraint. So it says where there's no vision, the people perish. So where there's no revel- where there's no purpose, where there's no understanding, where there's no insight, the people don't have any direction. There's no uh, parameters in which to live by and to move forward with. But at the same time, as as the Bible says, without a vision, people perish or cast off restraint. Somebody in one of the prayer meetings earlier in the week just said something and they said, but also it must be true that a vision without people will never be fulfilled. It was like, wow. That was brilliant because we, we, we often think of the Proverbs Scripture, uh, uh, people without vision will perish, but actually where there is vision, if, they, if that God has always got vision for something, but if there's no people to carry it, how's that vision going to be fulfilled? So you and I as believers, you and I as the church, we are carriers, we are people of vision, we are people that have revelation of who God is and what He wants to do. And so therefore... We have a responsibility because we have vision and we have revelation. We have a responsibility then to to be a people of prayer, to be a house of prayer for all nations, to be an ecclesia people that govern and legislate because God has given us authority in His name on earth to be the people He's called us to be. So how many of you are getting excited about what God wants to do during the the autumn? Brilliant. So why why, why else? Is, is vision and revelation important so that it stops people casting off restraint? Because the world doesn't know God. The world doesn't know who God is. The world is casting off restraints and we see all the things going on in, in society and in the culture that we live in. Less and less restraints on people's lifestyle, on people's philosophies and and who wants what out there and everything and, and you can see there's more and more restraint just being thrown off. Why? Because there's a total disregard for who God is. There's a, a lack of reverence and fear for who God is out there and as the church we carry the life of God, we carry a reverence and an awe of God and, and, and we want to see that revealed in our, in our culture, in our communities, in our society. Anybody else want to see that? And so, therefore, (coughs) part of what prayer does is bring a realignment of that out there. And in order to pray in that way, we have to pray bold prayers. We have to pray courageous prayers. We have to pray big stuff, you know. God has spoken to us about living in unprecedented days, that, that at the beginning of the year, which means we haven't seen the things before. That he wants us to see. So when we begin to pray, we're not praying, God, would you do it again? We're not looking back at what God has done in the past and say, God, would you do it again? No, what we're doing is we're looking forward, saying, God, you've said you're doing unprecedented things because of the day we're living in. So we're looking to see things that we've never seen before. We're looking to see God work on a scale that we've never seen before or even read about in books before. How many of you believe that? That's the day that we're in. And so what we want to do, we want to grab hold of what God is saying. We want to take a hold of that and say, God, I believe that. I receive that. I I live in that. I want to move in that. And and, uh, so that as a church, we advance in a really strong, powerful way over the summer and into the autumn and into 2020. So let's have a quick look at Genesis chapter 26. I want to pick out a few things in there that I think are going to really help us uh, pray over this month into next month and into the autumn. And and, uh, the people that we're going to invite to at the movies and what God wants to do during August and and in other times of fellowship, friendship, hanging out. There's going to be during that month. So let's have a look at Genesis 26 and uh, going to pick out a few things here. He says, now there was a famine in the land. So this story is about Isaac. Uh, Abraham, his father, is dead. Isaac is now uh, the person that's carrying the promises of God into his generation to then pass it on to the next generation. But he says here, there was a famine in the land. Now, that was a a physical famine. They had no food. Now, we want to parallel some of the natural stuff that's talked about in here with some of the, uh, in a spiritual way for the time that we're in now and in one level in, on one, in one sense in our nation we're, we're in a spiritual famine now it's encouraging to hear what god is doing and many many church networks and and, and leaders that i've spoken to during this year and being in different contexts with throughout the year, different things. People are excited about what God is doing, that people are saying in in the UK, there's something fresh happening, fresh release of the Holy Spirit. It's exciting. Why? Because God wants to overtake the famine spiritually with his abundance and with his fullness. And so it says here, there was a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. So there is famine. Now, historically, what did Abraham do? He, when there was a famine in Abraham's time, God actually told him to go to Egypt. He went to Egypt because in Egypt there, there, there wasn't famine. There was provision, there was this, that and the other that they needed. And so they went down there. But in this context, there was famine. There was need. What they wanted to see around them wasn't taking place. But God didn't say to him, uh, go to Egypt. He said, don't go to Egypt. Now for us, the church now, 2019, we don't want to go back. We don't want to even look back and say, look what God has done. And and say, God, would you do it again? No, we're looking forward, even though around us looks like famine spiritually. This is really, really important. So the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down, do not go to Egypt. So we're not going back. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land. Why does he say this? For I, because I will be with you and will bless you. So God has put us in this nation. You might be from another nation. You might have moved here. But we're all here together as believers in this nation at this time. And God wants to do something through us in a time of famine spiritually. And where's the life? Where does the life have to be and have to start? It has to be in the church because God is turning the church inside out, not just our church, but the church, because he wants his life to overtake the famine. He wants his rivers of living water to overtake the dry ground that is out there. So if you think about a riverbed that's dry, has no river, has no water in it, and and, uh, you know when it gets really dry, the mud is all cracked and you begin to see the gaps between it uh, and everything and you think, wow, how how can that change? Everything looks so barren. And when you're standing there You don't necessarily look at it and go, I rebuke that famine. I rebuke that dryness. I rebuke that drought and everything. What you do is you say, Father, you know, we need rain in the famine. We need rain in the drought. And then when the rain begins to come, at first it just begins to... Uh, sit on the ground and begin to soak in gradually and the ground still is a bit hard for a while but the more it rains the softer the ground gets then the ground fills up then the river begins to flow and then if you went down to the riverbed after you know once the river's got going there there, there would be no cracks it wouldn't be dry anymore everything would be soft underfoot because the dryness has gone because the water has overtaken the famine it's overtaken the drought and so what God wants us to do with our faith and with our prayer and with our action is even though there's a spiritual famine around us, we have these rivers of living water on the inside of us and when we pray, these rivers of living water are being released into the famine, being released into the drought, being released into the dry ground so that when we decree, when we command, when we pray, something of God is overtaking the circumstances. How many believe that uh, today as we're looking at God's Word? And so God says, hey, don't go to Egypt. Stay where the famine is. Stay where the famine is because you have life and you have something to release into the famine, to change that into abundance. Can we believe that? To change the famine into God's abundance. Then he says for you and your descendants will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands through your offspring. All nations on earth will be blessed. There's a generational thing going on here and God speaks in every generation of time and he gives promises in every generation And then as he is fulfilling his promises, the next generation inherits what is yet to be fulfilled because God works generationally. Then in that generation, that generation wants to pass on to the next generation what God is doing. But each generation needs to encounter God in that generation. So one generation can't pass on an encounter with God to the next generation. What it can do is pass the word of the Lord on to that generation. But each generation needs to hear the word of the Lord in their generation. So God appeared to Isaac and encountered with him personally, spoke to him personally. It was the same as he'd spoken to to Isaac's father, Abraham, but God spoke directly to Isaac. So Isaac began to live with the promise himself. It wasn't just when well, my father had that promise and 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 maybe I'll see it happen. No, it, that promise now becomes his. No, God has spoken to me. So therefore I'm living with this promise right now to see it fulfilled. So in, in everything God is saying and doing, he wants every one of us to be living with the promise of what he's saying right now in each generation that is represented in the life of the church. We're a generation Generational church, God is speaking not just to one generation. He's speaking to the generations of who we are, so that each generation carries the word. But God also wants to reveal Himself to each generation of who we are in the church, so that we are living and running with what God is is doing. So let's just read on for a few moments. Uh, if we go over to page, it says time of drought and everything, and he stays where he is. And it says that Isaac went to Abimelech, who was the king of the Philistines. And and Isaac's wife, the Bible says, was beautiful. But he acted in fear in this moment. Instead of saying, this is Rebekah, my wife, he said, this is my sister. Because he was afraid that if he said, because she was beautiful, that this is my wife, that they would have killed him and taken her and that would have been the end of his life. So even though he just had an encounter with God, he had some amazing promises from God and God said, stay where you are. In that land, in that moment, the surroundings of Abimelech and and the Philistines caused fear to come upon him. So he made a decision in that moment, I'm not going to fully be who I am and who we're called to be because there are other things going on around us that could harm our lives or could damage our lives. (coughs) And then one day, Abimelech the king saw Isaac and Rebekah together in a very husband and wife way and uh, or at least it looked you know and, and he said hey Isaac come here you told me she was your sister but actually she's your wife what are you doing and when Abimelech saw the reality of it instead of dealing with Isaac and killing him he actually blessed him and then put a decree out Nobody must touch these people, okay? Nobody can go near them, okay? And and, and it's like when we, when we operate in the truth and we operate in the light and we operate in who we are, there's a protection of God. There's, a, there's a, the armour of God around our lives. And so when we push forward into the things of God, the enemy will always want to make the circumstances or people around us to try and intimidate us or cause us to be fearful, to then make decisions that are not in line with the truth, in that way, God couldn't bless Isaac because he wasn't living in the truth in that moment. He was kind of living in fear. But as, as soon as the truth came out that he was married to Rebekah and the guys around him knew it, suddenly it said God began to bless him. So we want to live in the truth of who God is and what we know. Then in the famine that was there at that time, look at verse 12. It said, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. God, don't you love that? In famine, he sowed a crop and reaped a hundredfold. Now, what does God want to say to us through this? He wants to say, hey, you might have famine around you spiritually. The the reality of what going on, it might seem impossible. might seem like it's getting worse. But what I want you to do, I want you to sow my word. I want you to speak my word. I want you to declare my purposes. I want you to command my purpose. I want you to decree my word. I want you to speak and sow into the famine that is around you. And as you sow life, as you speak life, and then as you act upon what I'm saying to you, you're going to reap a hundredfold. You're going to see a harvest. The, the famine's going to be overtaken with a crop, with a harvest, with people's lives being changed, transformed on an increasing basis, more miracles being released, a greater outworking of God's life and power. How many believe that? Come on, guys, we really need need to step into the things of God. We're not going to wait to the autumn, although we it's going to be awesome. We want to, in the next couple of months, see God do some great stuff in our lives and many other people's lives. And it says, In the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. When we, when we live in truth and transparency and openness, once he lived in that way, he then saw the blessing of God in a completely new way. He'd had the promises, but then he, he lined his life up with the promises and then he saw a release. So we, that's why we want to make sure our lives are, are really lined up. Then uh, it says, the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy and many flocks and got to the point where the Philistines said, look, you're too powerful for us. You've got to go. you got to leave. And in that moment, what happened is all the wells that his father abraham had dug the philistines went and filled them all in and saying if this guy's going to go we're going to make sure you know we're going to fill all this stuff in to give him a hard time because he's become too powerful when again we move forward in god the enemy always wants to try and stop us hinder us and each generation has to dig wells spiritually In God, So Abraham's generation dug wells, but they'd all been filled in. So what was the first thing that that Isaac did when he was being blessed and, and began to be fruitful? He said he went and unblocked all of his father Abraham's wells. So we want to make sure that we can always honour all those that have gone before us. We want to honour what God has done to enable us, all of us, to be where we are today spiritually, Each generation can never draw a line and say we are the beginning of something because God works generationally. It's in our generation of time now, we are picking up and carrying on from what has been passed on to us by previous generations of believers that have prayed and broken through in God and handed us down the word and revelation and understanding. So we're taking hold of all that stuff now and, and applying it in our lives in this season of time in 2019, in this, this uh, uh, time of what God is, is doing. So firstly, unblocked, he made sure that what had already been dug previously was fully alive and open and drawing from that. But then what he did? He then went to dig some new wells because every generation needs to dig their wells in God. As in the first well they dug, they had some hassle with some of the other shepherds and people around them uh, when they when they were aiming to dig their wells, and uh, and. Uh, they called that that uh, well dispute because there was dispute amongst the shepherds so he moved on and said let's build let's let's dig another one then so he kept going he wasn't put off by the opposition so then he he went and they dug another one but then they had more opposition he called that well opposition but then he said because i know i'm blessed and because i know god has given me this land i'm supposed to live here be fruitful and effective He then dug another one and there was no opposition there. And how he describes that well was God has now given us room to flourish. Don't you love that? God has given us room to flourish. And so when we move forward in God, we, every generation, we want to dig the wells that God wants to release his life. If we can use this sort of terminology, but there's, there is going to be opposition. There will be resistance because the enemy does not want you and I and this generation to be effective. But as we keep going, we outrun the enemy. We outrun him and, and we move into a place of room to flourish to, to be effective and fruitful. What does that take? It takes spiritual character. It takes spiritual maturity to not be put off by the moment, to not be put off by this, that and the other in our culture and all the voices and the noise of what's being said. It, it, it's, it's for us to say, no, we are not going to be put off. We are going to continue to be who God's called us to be. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We believe what the word of God says and we're going to continue, Continue to live out the Word in the way that God wants us to because we want to be people who stand in the face of all the issues because we want to get to that place where there's room to flourish. There's room to flourish. Flourish means abundance. It means more than you need, more than enough. That's who God is and that's what we want to see, not just in our lives but in other people's lives also. So I love that. Now I want to read you a story, okay? And I heard this the other day and I just want to read it. I've I've copy and pasted just this little paragraph out of a a, a book. And uh, it's a story that happened a few years ago. Let's just, uh, if I read it to you, it's going to encourage your faith. It's a big outcome, but if God can do this, he can surely... We can see a friend saved, a family member comes to know the Lord. So let's have a look at this. There was a pastor in Leipzig, East Germany in the early 80s, and he began a a prayer meeting on a Monday evening, every Monday night. Initially, when it first started, there were about a dozen or so people that attended each week. But after seven years, so he kept going every week, every Monday night, seven years later, 8,000 people were meeting a week to pray into the situation is in East Germany one evening when they all met to pray they were crammed into St Nicholas Church to pray for peace outside there were barricades beatings and death threats from the authorities the oppression of the Cold War regime weighed heavily on everyone Outside in the streets and in other churches, there were as many as 70,000 people expressing their protests in prayer. The state threatened to shut the prayer rally down by whatever means necessary. But then the pastor in the midst of this led his congregation out into the streets to join all the others. And they were clutching their candles as they walked down the street, chanting no violence, as they passed the dreaded secret police headquarters. Surprisingly, the police never opened fire. Within a week, the prayer rally grew to 120,000. That particular week, the East German leader resigned. Within a fortnight, the prayer rally, now sort of four weeks into this prayer rally, had now attracted 300,000 people. And at this time, or four weeks after that moment, the Berlin Wall came tumbling down. Some journalists and historians have identified the Leipzig prayer rallies as the tipping point in the fall of East German communism. That's awesome. So it's not not a couple of Christians who sort of, I think, you know, it's the prayers of the saints that have done it all. These are historians and journalists that have said this and they said, Uh, that it's down to this, a remarkable acknowledgement for a movement that had begun so quietly, seven years earlier with a handful of people praying in a meeting. I don't know about you, that's amazing. And what, what does that say to us? It says that the prayers of the church, the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the church, tip the balance. In a nation, the prayers of believers tip the balance in a circumstance, in a situation. And so, whether we're praying for the one, the one f- person on our, on our cards, prayer cards, or the family, the household, or whoever they may be, whether we're praying for our town, our nation, or nations, our prayers aligned with God right. tip the balance, they make all the difference and and God is weighing the nations at the moment and and I believe one of the things he's saying and Jane and I have been to quite a number of things in the last couple of months, prayer, global prayer calls and prayer events, we've got intercessors all over Europe or from around the world coming to meet and we've been asked to be part of those or help even lead one or two of them and uh, it's a bit like wow okay Um, But but one of the things that came through strongly in that God is weighing the nations and the prayers of the saints are tipping the balance. So we want to make sure as a church, as a house of prayer, that we are part of tipping the balance in our nation, tipping the balance in Europe, tipping the balance in the nations, that our prayer is fervent and effective. Now, just to finish with this before we pray at the end, Joshua 24, verse 15. He says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you in your household you want to serve the Lord? How many are you saying, yeah, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to serve somebody else's agenda. We're not going to serve somebody else's philosophy and lifestyle. We're not going to serve somebody else's thing that they want to do. No, we're going to serve the Lord as a household. Jesus also said, a house divided against itself cannot stand but a household saved will no longer have division and so we want to make sure our households are aligned with God and as we reach out to the many people out there yes first starts in prayer always and in the action that that comes with it that the alignment that we have the unity that we have in our homes and families that we see that released So that where there's division, fragmentation, factions, issues, hurt, pain and everything else going on in people's lives there, that that changes because of the prayers of the saints tipping the balance. The starting point, as we know, is always relationship with God. Everything we do flows from that relationship. But because we have relationship with God, we're children of God. We're ambassadors of God. We therefore have an authority from God as children of God and as ambassadors of God but along with that, a responsibility to pray in his name, to decree in his name, to command in his name. So whatever congregation you're in today, let's stand together and we're just going to pray. We're going to respond this morning uh, to what God is saying to us, because we want to be a people who are sowing in famine, sowing in prayer, sowing in action. We're going. We're not going to be put off by what is around us and all the stuff that's happening in the news and everything else about our nation at this time. No, we're going to be people who sow into famine. So let's stand on our feet together and, uh, and let's pray together just raise your hands around the room father we thank you that you've called us to be a people of life not death you've called us to be a people who release who you are on earth as you are in heaven father i thank you that you've called us to, to be people who carry your your living water that overcomes the famine, that overtakes the drought. And so Father, I thank you for a release of faith today, a release of faith right now in every one of our hearts and lives that we begin to pick up in a fresh way, praying for the one, the one person, the one couple, the one family, the one household, the town we're in, the community we're in, the region we're in, the nation that we're part of. Father, we thank you that the prayers, our prayers even, tip the balance in situations change circumstances. You say when two on earth agree in your name, your Father is there to accomplish it, to do it, to see it outworked. And so there's more of us than two that agree. So Father, we thank you for what you are doing, but we thank you for what you are about to do, the increase of what you are doing. So Father, we thank you. We praise your name. If you can bring the Berlin Wall down at the end of the 80s in 1989, You can bring loads of other walls down in people's lives and in this nation, in our day and in our time. So as a church, in in every one of our congregations, we set our feet on the solid rock of who you are, Jesus Christ, the Saviour. We want to be the ecclesia you've called us to be, legislators, governors, Father, in the spirit as part of our responsibility so that things change in our nation because the church is standing up and being who we're called to be in this nation time. So Father, we thank you. We praise your awesome, wonderful, mighty name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. I'm sure in your congregations now, you're going to pick up a little bit more with your congregation leader and just praying to some things. So have an amazing time. Be really blessed. And let's let's, uh, expect God to do great things this month and into next month in August with At The Movie. So get praying, get inviting and let's see God do some amazing things. Bless you.